with some injuries on the defensive line, if this is the worst-case scenario of that game, which is one touchdown and still stuffing the rush, this is the worst defensive performance they've had in like four weeks, and they still completely dominated Vanderbilt. With more than half the stadium wearing red and black, Georgia completed its sweep at the state of Tennessee as they easily beat Vanderbilt 45-14. to I mean, the math is pretty easy, and I'm going to do it anyway. It's still fun to say that in the past two weeks away from Sanford, the Dogs outscored the Vols and the Doors by a combined 86-14. to With the most recent victory and some other upsets around the country, Georgia finds itself sitting pretty at the number four position in the AP poll and number five in the coaches poll going into their homecoming matchup against Missouri this Saturday. Hey there, my name is Scott Duvall, and you're listening to episode 105 of the Waiting Since Last Saturday podcast. This is our typical Sunday shortened post-game show, and in it, my co-hosts Will Leach and Tony Waller join me to share their thoughts on the defensive performance that the dogs showed, how much Kirby seems to be genuinely enjoying this team, and we give a couple snippets on the topics we'll discuss later in our preview show this week. So let's just jump into it. Why waste any more time? Here's Will to get us started. So, fellow gentlemen, 45 to 14 was the final score. Georgia over Vanderbilt. It's funny to think that we have entered this part of the season and this is where we are right now. That it feels like, man, 45 14. I mean, over a team we lost to at home last year. I mean, I guess I'll take it. I mean, it feels, it feels that that's kind of where Georgia is this year. They have a completely dominating win that's like, yeah, they gave up two touchdowns. Come on. What, what were your kind of overarching takeaways from, uh, from, a, from, hey, the Georgia Bulldogs who are now bowl eligible? Yay, bowl eligibility. Perfect. I mean, you know, Scott, you might saw a different game than I, than I did, but I I feel pretty good about it. I mean, we gave up our, only our second long touchdown drive of the season. And we can talk about the, the one-yard touchdown drive at the last score, but I felt like there were a couple times that we missed Patrick. The defense didn't play quite as well as they had uh, earlier. Parrish slipped down a couple times, including on that touchdown pass. But Beyond that, it's really hard. You have to start nitpicking. Offensive line had easily the best game they've had this season, particularly in run blocking. There was just from the get-go, it looked like it was fourth quarter. It was really, it was really impressive how much more physical we were than Vanderbilt, considering what happened last year because they out-physical this last year. Yeah, I agree, Tony. And hey, I'm calling in my cell phone because I don't know how to work my uh, own software on my computer. So my fault. So that's why it sounds as funny. But I missed the first half. I was gone. Uh, I was on an excursion with the with the kids because my wife was working yesterday. So um, I don't have a problem with the 14. In fact, I heard the score uh, by Scott Howard called it on the radio right before halftime. It was kind of a bummer. And you could hear it in his voice, in Zyre's voice, that you could tell they were really pulling for uh, just keep the streak going of not allowing any SEC schools to score. But yeah, I did I did some looking. I was like, so what did that do to our overall figures or overall uh, statistical numbers? And despite those 14 points, those two scores that we gave up, Georgia still ranked second in scoring defense, uh, landing right behind Penn State, giving up 10 points a game. And for what it's worth, Bama is giving up 10.3 a game. And then look out, Auburn is six in the country at 13 points a game. So that's kind of where we stand. I think it's disappointing and I'm glad to see that, uh, that aggravates the team because, uh, I, we wouldn't have seen that from them last year, in my opinion, but, uh, 45, 14, let's move on to Missouri and see if we can top that. 
I kind of like the idea. You discussed the idea of motivation. First of that first touchdown, I think it was down. It was like a fourth down play, right? I think they it was late. They they almost stopped them there, uh, basically uh, when they were trying to keep the uh, the struggle. Maybe it was the second touchdown that was the that was a fourth down play. But uh, it's funny. Seth Emerson had a really good piece on uh, from the Atlanta Journal Constitution, not from Dog Nation. Always do that for Seth's benefit because I know he likes to remind people that he's this Dog Nation is Atlanta Journal Constitution joint. But he wrote a great piece uh, noting that of all the differences between this year and last year, one of the things that I, I've harped on this myself a few times is the joy involved in the team, particularly post game. You know, uh, he talks about, he talked about how everybody once again, uh, were able to, uh, Georgia like that tends to be the case when they go to Vanderbilt, but I think especially this year, because it's clear that something special is kind of going on. They, there's a ton of Georgia fans that are going to the game and you saw, uh, after the game, the team going over there and celebrating with the fans. And as Emerson pointed out, just as big a part of it, Kirby Smart was out there right with them. And I think that is, that's kind of an interesting thing. You know, you've seen the idea. I joked last week about when Kirby at halftime said after the 24 nothing lead that like, oh, we shouldn't have wasted those timeouts. We've got stuff we got to, we've got to improve on. Uh, he does play that kind of like stuff we need to do. He kind of talked about the defense was a little bit disappointing. Got, and maybe we can talk later about the Eason play. You know, he blamed himself for that. But one thing that's funny is while he could be like negative Saban guy with the press sometimes, he is joyous on the field and he's clearly sharing in the joy with his players in fact if you saw his press conference afterwards he was kind of (laughs) goofy he made like some jokes like he's clearly enjoying this and I I know we do the Alabama saving thing all the time but I think it's more and more clear as this this team it's obvious that something is special about this team and not just with the team itself but really how everyone's getting excited about like it's become a clear thing I was at a I was in Charleston South Carolina this weekend where uh, we all watched a bunch of uh, uh, my my wife and uh, and her friend and a bunch of UGA alums all watched the game. We all went over. We all went over to the place and all watched the game. And but on the way there, I stopped at the liquor store, of course. And people could mm-hmm. not t- stop talking to me about Georgia. There's all Clemson fans, and they were like, "Oh my gosh, Georgia is so good. We think we're getting you guys in the playoffs." So like, clearly, there's a national kind of understanding about what Georgia's what's going on with Georgia right now. And I think the fan base sees it too. So to see Kirby kind of relaxed and fun, and to see the team kind of joyous and celebrating, to me that is one of those things that it's not like like you can have a game that's a slight disappointment on this and I think that's just us being perfectionist I think uh, because this team has been so good but there it's clearly continuing to get the ball rolling downhill uh it's just an exciting thing for everyone to be a part of and I think that includes the head coach well the fun part about it to me is that clearly the last two games we imposed our will on the opponents but you know this was a game where really from the get-go it was clear that Georgia was in charge. I think they started feeling it early. I mean, to me, the most telling thing was after Vanderbilt scored that touchdown, Georgia held the ball for the last nine minutes and eight seconds of the game. And it really was just a, you know what? You're not getting the ball back. We don't care. <laughs> and then that, and that helps. I mean, you know, we, it was a 12 play drive, 52 yards. And frankly, we could have scored. I mean, we could have scored again. <laughs> um, and it was just, it was really impressive. You know, the, but there are some takeaways. I think there's some stuff. I, I really liked how after that, you know, you, you had uh, Roquan and a couple other people talking about how they were disappointed. They, they missed some assignments. They felt like they'd fallen down. Um, you know, they only got two, three and outs, which is the fewest three and outs they've had this season. Um, you know, they were six of 15, I think, on third down conversions, but they allowed drives to go longer than what, really what they they like to do but i think you're right too 
Will, talking about your your comments about Kirby, you know, you uh, on the preseason talked a little bit about the um, press conference where Kirby kind of blamed the media for stuff, right? And, and kind of got snippy with the media. And it's fun to me to see Kirby, which you have said all along, this is the real Kirby, right? This is the, this is not the, oh, we're just going to, we're going to give coach speak and we're going to talk, we're talking about Coke bottles and the rat poison. Um, this is the real <laughs> Kirby, right? He, he was goofy in the press conference and that's, that's good to see because I think he's starting to feel, it's starting to show that he is very comfortable in his skin as the head football coach of a football team that looks like it is is really playing up to its potential. Well, I think that you touched on it. Either Will or Tony, one of y'all brought it up last week, and we kind of ran with it on our on our show. Was the whole mission of the junkyard dogs? Because before then, we even all three of us had been saying, "Oh, it's Alabama." It's almost like we even lost sight of, "Hey, we have a history here. We have a history of dominant defense." And Kirby has rekindled that, and he's kind of putting his own spin on a new form of the junkyard dogs because, yeah, the offense is great, it's adequate, but this team is defense first. And it just feels more like the vocal leaders are over there on defense like Bellamy and Carter and, you know, Roquan Smith. So I think there's something to that, and that might be because Kirby's a defensive coach, that might be why you see him like, skipping, hopping away at the end of the games because he knows that he just delivered another one. Yeah, I still feel obliged to point out that like this team is still winning games like Alabama wins. Like I'm with I'm with you on that. And I, I I agree with you. The the history of, of of Georgia football is great. And I I we all I thought we actually did a well just to pat ourselves on the back. We did a great job, good job for us on the junkyard uh, dog stuff from from last week. But I do think that this is still a, a, a team that's winning like Alabama does, and which is fine, which is totally fine, which is great. Yeah, I'm and, not gonna argue with you on that. And uh, but one thing I think is interesting too, because I think you know if there's anything you know he. Talked after the game, he was kind of disappointed in the defense. It's worth noting that being disappointed with the defense of this game, they still stopped the run. They had like 2.9 uh, yards per carry, and they, and they really only had one touchdown really on, on the defense. And to me, if there's anything that the downside to the defense of this game is I think it's kind of explainable. This is really the first drop back quarterback they faced this year. And I think that there was an adjustment, particularly when there's adjustment when you're missing Thompson and like you, maybe you've you're, you're still figuring that out on the line of a little bit. If this is your adjustment game where you face your first field drop back guy and a team that scored some points, has won some games. It's been a rough three weeks for Vanderbilt. No question. Uh, but certainly, you know, they remember they beat Kansas state. That's a pretty good team. Um, that they've had some success the first time you're facing a drop back quarterback with some injuries on the defensive line. If this is the worst case scenario of that game, which is one touchdown and still stuffing the rush, this is the worst defensive performance they've had in like four weeks. And they still completely dominated Vanderbilt. Yeah. And you look at you can see that in special teams. So if we want to pick, you know, Blankenship was only five of eight on touchbacks. So, um, <laughs> right, that guy. Kick your competition. Kick your competition. Dave, David Martin's on, on deck. Um, yeah, I think you're right, Will. You have what you can say defensively was a letdown game because they allowed a long touchdown drive and only got two, three and outs and still held a team that had been doing fairly well, not great, but fairly well passing the ball to uh, 17 to 31, 172 yards passing and just shut down the running game. In, in Frankly, just manhandled uh, Vanderbilt's defensive front in a way that I don't I don't think they've been handled. Uh, maybe even didn't get handled like Alabama did. Although I, I didn't watch that game because you know I'm not a masochist. You know, but it still was 
it was a very, very good game. And if this is, if this is a letdown game, um, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> you know, the other impressive thing was the fan support. I, and I know I saw a couple of pictures. I couldn't believe it when I got, when I got home in the third quarter and turned on the TV. I mean, I know it's Vanderbilt and they only hold, hold like 44,000, but there must've been 25,000 Georgia fans just sitting there. It's it's like the, there's been three road games and all three of them have been so impressive. And I haven't been to one road game this year. So I'm just basically giving a big kudos to all the road dogs that go out there and just, just fill up other people's stadiums. And of course, Wikipedia did change where it's a <laughs> common, what is it? Vanderbilt stadium, whatever they call it. It's owned by university of Georgia. Well, now it is. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> right. right. Well, I mean, I mean, I think it was, it, I saw pictures, but it was most starkly brought home there in the third quarter when uh, Vanderbilt went forward on fourth and two and he was met in the backfield and they lost two yards and it, it, was it sounded like a home game. Yeah. Um, Okay, now I feel like this is going to be a major piece of conversation when we do our big preview podcast uh, later this week, so I don't want to go down this road too much. Uh, but certainly, uh, two things I feel like we have to bring up, because these are two big things that came out of the game and really out of the weekend. One, of course, is the one thing that Kirby Smart did uh, criticize himself for afterwards putting Jacob East in the situation where literally the first play of the, uh, his first play in and, uh, and he gets drilled and, and fumbled. I, and I listen, everyone would have fumbled that play. Jake Fromm would have fumbled that play. Someone, uh, it, it put him in a bad spot, but more to the point, And we can, I think this is a larger conversation for, uh, this week. Justin Fields is here. Justin Fields is the five-star quarterback that Georgia signed this week. And the, to me, we talked about the Alabama thing. There is nothing more Alabama than stacking five star recruits at the same position right on top one another three consecutive years and i know from was a four star but whatever he's certainly playing like a five star and to me that is like that is a rich conversation that i am looking forward to us having because i feel like it's fascinating to see who like who what this means for the three of them i know like the default is well Issa better get his transfer papers but i don't know we'll see i think it's, it's a little early to say that but we, we can have that discussion later to me the larger point is Talk about, you know, there's been some worries about this recruiting class. Not that it wasn't good, but it kind of, uh, it didn't, it didn't seem, it was a little early on in the process, but it didn't seem like this class was quite meeting the level of last year's. I think having Fields, getting the number one quarterback, the number one player in the entire class, I don't like to really get in recruiting tough stuff too much, but I think it's undeniably a big, big check mark in what this coaching staff and what Kirby Smart and the recruiting people are doing. Well, talking about the Easton play, uh, just briefly, I've gone back and watched that play about four times, and I'm, I'm pretty sure Harry missed, did not pick up the block there. He was he was a single set back with Easton there, and it was a cornerback blitz, and Harry, and instead of checking to see if there was a blitz on, just kind of ran out the flats. Now, having said that, the one thing I will say about Easton is you have to be a, a little more aware of your backside there. Although that guy came out of nowhere, it was corner. It was a straight up cornerback blitz, uh, and you're you're right. I think anybody fumbles the ball there. So, you know, when I, I thought Eason looked good. I, I was a little disappointed he didn't get to play with the ones again. And before I, this is going to be controversial, but everybody's like, "Well, Fromm looks that much more comfortable." It's like, well, you know, Fromm's playing with. Frost playing with the ones. Eason, uh, last week Eason handed off to Chubb some. This week Eason was handed off the ball, the ball to Harrion, and he had um, you know, some freshmen in there blocking for him and freshman receivers. So uh, as far as fields go, um, I'm happy to have the conversation in this great pub, but 
it'll be real when he signs in February. And <laughs> yeah. that's um, yeah. Ask no, the no, basketball no, team. Ask the basketball team about that. About how oh. they had a, they got a twenty four hour commitment yesterday. Oh, they went dark in a hurry there. Well, <laughs> wow. Um, but you know, in, in all reality, in all reality, it is impressive what is go- the the pub that's going on, and not just local. This is now national. The pub that's going on around this football program is great, right? And it's not about. I mean. Look, we had a starting linebacker get arrested for weed Thursday night before a road game, and it wasn't really a – there was no, oh, what's happening at Georgia, and there was no program falling apart conversation. And there was no Henry and woe is me. What are we going to do? You know, has, you know, Kirk Herbstreit didn't say no one respects Kirby Smart. It was, you know, they're going to just have to go to Vanderbilt and take care of business without the guy and probably without him for three more games. And it, it just feels different. It's starting to feel very different. And again, I keep talking about being a broken Georgia fan, but once we get past Florida, I might start feeling it, but it's, I'm slowly coming out of my slumber and thinking like, uh, Oh my God, this, this might actually be something special. And the drop off from Patrick was kind of negligible because Taylor and Rice had great games uh, in and of itself. And, and all it does is just give them more experience. And it just truly shows you that like Will just said, that they're just stacking quality depth at each and every position, two or three deep. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that quarterback uh, conversation. I almost said controversy. Wow. <laughs> yeah. conversation. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> uh, <laughs> quarterback conversation uh, later this week, because uh, I know I've got some opinions on it. And um, I know that there's a lot of people that were tweeting at our, um, at our WSLS podcast. And oh yeah. Kind of some other things I've seen. People I didn't think it was going to take too long for you to bring that up, Scott. They love Scott. They love Scott. On <laughs> no, the no, no. I'm not talking about me. Uh-huh. Sure. Hey, you know what? They can love Scott all they want. Keep winning big. I'm still going to be, I, I maintain that until we do this to Florida in Jacksonville, I'm still going to maintain that I am, I am still scarred and damaged materials. I think that's fair. I think that's totally fair. Well, it, it's very fair because it's been 12 years since we've had a start like this. And you know what happened in 2005? DJ Sharkley hurts his knee and it was a Joe T. Yep. The Joe. Yeah. The Joe T. We lost by yeah, what? We lost by for a touchdown. Yeah, we lost by four to Florida and one to, at Auburn, right? And still won the East, yeah. and still and still won the SEC. And then, then I can't talk about the Splendid Bowl. And then nobody wants to talk about the West Virginia. What, oh, what do you call it? You don't call it the Sugar Bowl. You call I call it. The, the, I call it the Splendid Bowl. Yeah, the Splendid Bowl because <laughs> it was played in Atlanta. It's yeah, not even, this, it's not even real. That's where that's where good things can go dark real quickly when you start saying, "Hey, 2005, we had the same record, but then we finished yes. ten and three and lost a terrible game in the Sugar Bowl." So. It it is funny to think, uh, and then this would be a good close for us. Uh, a good is Mark Richt had a huge win this uh, this weekend, and they're in a pretty fascinating place right now. But, you know, one of my big things that I've always said since I got to Athens is, man, why isn't everybody here happy with 10-win seasons? They get 10-win seasons all the time. They should be happier about that. Right now, if just the way this team's playing right now, if they only win 10 games this year, it actually would kind of feel like a disappointment. So look at me coming all the way full circle, uh, uh, all the way back around. Maybe I'm, I'm becoming a more unreasonable uh, fan as I get a little further down here. Um, all right. Well, uh, good show, guys. We'll be back with our – we're back in the new series. I really – we did not emphasize enough last week how much we, we – we waited till the end of the podcast. I listened to the podcast, and we really wait, went too long into the podcast to talk about how wonderful and comfortable and happy I felt, uh, and I think I speak for you guys, in the new digs itself. 
sounded great. Uh, I'm comfortable there, and uh, and and there's plenty of ice, which is always a little bit of an issue with these things. So uh, oh, we are we are in a good spot uh, uh, there. Thanks, uh, Tony uh, Scott. I, I just I love the new things. I can't wait to get. I found myself excited on Saturday being like, oh, that's right, we're going to go to the new studio and 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 drink and chat about this game. I got myself. I was very excited about. It. I'm very excited about the new studios. Hope everybody liked listening to it. The stairs remain very pedestrian. Yeah, they only go down. That's, come on, they only go down. What's going on? Well, and the, the other thing, um, your idea of the podcast reviews and question things, we got, I think, five or six reviews over the weekend. So uh, awesome. don't look at them yet. I'll bust them out on you on uh, Monday night. I'm sure they're all, you know, Scott's the reasonable one. <laughs> Scott's the good one. He's committed to the G. That's Scott. <laughs> Well, Scott, I, and I and I assume that we do have a place where you can read, rate, and review because you keep saying it. I'm still 100 percent convinced you aren't writing writing the reviews. And you are. God <laughs> bless you fine. because it's awesome. That's the fine. reviews are awesome. That's <laughs> fine. You he's keep got, thinking that, Tony. He's got burner accounts. I don't know. I I I, I don't quite trust Scott not to accidentally do a Durant. <laughs> be like what do you mean scott's not the best one s duval um all right all right i'm excited to do the show great game uh we've got missouri coming up uh, uh this week one more before things start getting really really serious so great show great uh, great game six and oh bowl eligible it's on go dogs go dogs And thanks so much for listening. You can interact with our show via Twitter, which is our main or most active social media site. Our handle is at WSLS Podcast. I say main because we are, of course, on all social media, including Instagram and Facebook. It would be very easy to find us if you have that desire or would like to find us on other social media sites. You can just search WSLS Podcast. And on our last show, we made a promise to any of our listeners who left us a review and a question and said that we would read it on air and answer it on our podcast. I guess on air and podcast is the same thing, but I digress. So Nathan, David, and Hobbs, we have your questions, and we will be addressing them on episode 106. We also received a few questions via our Twitter feed, and I'll grab those as well and add them to the queue. So that's it for today. Look out for us later this week, and in the meantime... Keep enjoying that 6-0 record. We will see you on campus this Saturday for a night homecoming game. Sanford should be pretty electric. Maybe even a blackout. I keep wondering. I keep crossing my fingers. One man can wish. So have a great start to your week. And as always, go dogs. Go dogs.